The first round is always the hardest and it applies to so many things in our life. But once you get through that first round, the next 11 are gravy. Once you get through that first five pounds, man, the weight starts pouring off of you. You feel good. I'm Christy Code Red and you're listening to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle where we believe food holds the power to heal or poison, and we believe our society has been misled regarding proper nutrition and weight loss. You're in the right place if you're looking for some straight up truth, because I'm here to shed light on the lies and brainwashing that has taken place over the past five decades. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to another episode of Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. I'm your host, Christy Code Red, author, entrepreneur, retired professional boxer. And um, I say this a lot, but you need to know how much that I appreciate you coming here and being here and listening and watching and commenting and reviewing and sharing. And just without you, there is no podcast. I can tell, I mean, I know these stories. I know what I'm saying to you. Uh, and yeah, it does help me when I, when I re-listen, uh, I don't know if you think this is weird or not, but sometimes I do listen to my, to my podcast because it helps reiterate what we believe in. And it, it also helps me to look for mistakes I made and improvements I could make. So thank you for being here. And today we're talking about the first round is always the hardest. Let me take you back to my boxing days, 2002 to 2010. I was a federally licensed professional boxer. I was licensed in many states. I fought 15 pro fights all over the world, two world titles, five knockouts. I have never been knocked out or knocked down. I fought at 154 pounds, but I also fought as low as 149 pounds at Madison Square Garden. I was the very first female to ever be allowed to fight professionally in China right before the 2005 Olympics or 2006. I did a um, big, my big world title fight there and uh, really have had a successful career. I never intended on becoming a professional boxer. I just did it at first as a fun class. And then when a boxing coach was watching me through the window, he said, hey, you know, you have a propensity for this whole boxing thing. And now that I'm a coach, I understand some people just get it easier than others. And I just got it a little easier than others. And he said, you know, you should fight. And I was just like, whatever. I was in college full time trying to pay my way through nursing school, broke as a joke. And when he said you could earn money fighting, that's when my ears perked up and I said, I'm sorry, what? Could you speak into my good ear? Did you say earn money? And that's what I started doing. I think my first fight paid $500. Yeah, maybe it was 15. I don't know. It was, I think it was like $500. It was really, you know, and I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea uh, what it was going to be like. I had no idea my career would last um, you know, eight years, four different boxing coaches. And I never, I never knew I would travel the world as a professional fighter. There's something you should know about boxing. A couple of things you should know. And I don't think that probably anybody here listening has ever, I know I don't have any professional boxers listening to my podcast. I really don't think I do, but if by some small chance you're a professional fighter, professional fighter, not not taking a kickboxing class down at your local Y, 
to the music that's what have you done today to make you feel right not like not 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 that not that okay not a cardio kickboxing i'm talking about a federally licensed professional fighter if you are listening to me and you're one of those people then you're going to totally relate to what i'm getting ready to say but i don't think i have any professional fighters that uh listen to me let me tell you a little something about boxing boxing is a business just like any other business. It's all about the money. It's very little about the fight. It's about the money. It's about the fan base. It's about keeping the fans happy. It's about showmanship. It's about marketing. It's about how many butts can you get in the seats? How many tickets can you sell? Because the, the butts in the seats not only equal ticket sales on the front end, but the back end, you've got beer sales, concession sales, you've got product sales from whatever fighter is selling a certain t-shirt or whatever. There is so much money in boxing. Now, not as much as there used to be. Now it's about UFC. And I don't know anything about UFC. I've trained a couple of UFC fighters, but only on their boxing their stand-up game, but I don't know a lot. And I was a guest judge one time at a UFC fight in Atlanta, Georgia, and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was sitting, you know, what I don't know what you call it. You call it cage side because it's not a ring. It's an octagon, right? I was sitting cage side. In fact, I was sitting, I had an all-white suit on, pure white, and I was a celebrity guest judge, and uh, there was blood splattered on my all-white suit. I was so mad. Uh, so boxing used to be bigger than what it is now, especially women's boxing. But women's boxing really has never been as big as men's boxing, but sex sells in boxing like it does in anything. And for women, if you're pretty and you can fight, you get more fight opportunities. It's very little about how good of a fighter you are and more about how many tickets that you sell. So for those of you who might not know this, I'm just going to kind of paint a picture here for you. So in a boxing match, in a, on a, for, a, for a boxing fight, the fight lineup of fighters, that's called a fight card, C-A-R-D, fight card. And on the fight card, you have hopefully a wide range of men and women, but very few women. I mean, there are only 2,000 female fighters in the whole world, so there aren't very many of us. And so normally you don't see a whole lot of female fights on a fight card. But what you do is the promoter who's putting on the fight will arrange the fight card from the least popular boxer all the way to the most popular boxer. There, and so you've got the guys and girls who are not very well known. They're going to fight first in the night. They're going to fight early. And then the guys and girls that are headlining, also called headlining, uh, also called main event or co-main event. You guys have seen that. You've, you've heard that before, the main event. Uh, those are the most popular fighters that are going to be main event and co-main event. Fortunately for me, because I was such a draw and so good at marketing myself, I have always been main event or co-main event on every single one of my fights, every single one. And I'm, I'm super happy about that. Because if you're a draw, then the promoter doesn't want to put you in the beginning of the, of the night. What's going to happen when your fight's over? Everybody's going to go home. In fact, when I fought on the Roy Jones Jr. Uh, Glenn Johnson undercard, I was co-main event for that. And I brought in just as many people as Roy Jones Jr. did because this was my hometown. 
I was the hometown girl, the hometown hero. And so in the Mid-South, I had really a huge following. And then it got to be the whole country, but mostly, you know, around Memphis, around the the Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, Georgia, all those Southern states, I was a real draw. So I was always put on the card towards the end of the night. Now, I'm getting to a point. Stay with me here. (laughs) Some of you guys that don't know anything about boxing, you don't know this. Where you put the fighter is huge. You want to put your you want to put that the the most popular fighters towards the end of the card, towards the end of the night. You want to put the least popular boxers at the bottom of the card to fight first cuz nobody really cares about them. You fight Nobody's really there. It's kind of an empty arena. But, of course, every boxer has to start somewhere, and you don't care. I mean, it's a federally licensed fight. You know, you are there. That's going to go on your permanent record, so you fight. You always fight your best no matter where you are on the card. And so part of the negotiations for, for me and my team when I got asked to fight somewhere is, well, sure, we'll agree to it, and this is part of the contract negotiations, is, okay, we want this much money, we want this many hotel rooms, this many plane tickets, this much in food vouchers, Uh, we want the weight to be this, we want to come in on this day, leave on this day, and we want to be main event or co-main event. We want to be second to the last fight of the evening or the last fight of the evening. And so... That was, that's always part of the negotiations. No fighter wants to be the first one to fight because there's nobody really there. And the fight starts early in the evening and nobody really cares and nobody's there to cheer. And it's really hard to fight when there is no crowd, you know. So just painting you a picture of when, by the time a co-main event or a main event fighter gets in the ring, the crowd is nice and drunk. They are rowdy. They are fired up. They are excited. I mean, the anticipation has been building for hours. I mean, you could easily, a fight could easily start at 6 or 7 p.m. And the main event fighter wouldn't come on until 11 p.m. Easily. That's why it's so nice to to fight at casinos because they have that 24-hour buffet. And you're so hungry after a fight and you don't care. You're going to eat at 1 o'clock in the morning with your team. You know, nobody cares. So towards the end of the night, they bring in the main event fighter. So, um... This builds anticipation not only in the crowd, but in the fighter as well. It is nerve-wracking. I tell you, any fighter, although a fighter might say they want to be main event or co-main event, as far as their nerves go, you want to get your fight over with early in the evening. You're kind of like, I just wish I could be one of those first fighters because be be done at like 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m., 7 p.m., and then be done. Go eat, go to bed on time, you know, and just have it over with because the nerves are awful. You know, you you could work yourself mentally into quite a tizzy if you don't have real good control over your nerves. And all this just builds up because your mind... Come on, this is not just in boxing, but your mind plays tricks on you. Your mind works scenarios into existence that really aren't into existence. But in your mind, oh, Katie, bar the door. You've got yourself worked into just quite a tizzy over something. And you're painting these scenarios in your mind that just have nothing to do with anything. They've never happened. They're not true. They're lies. But in your mind, you've just like, that's what worrying is. Worrying is just, you just, it's stupid. It's stupid. And that's what happens. A fighter, the hardest thing I think about fighting is just, is just waiting in the dressing room, waiting for your fight to start. It's awful. It's so awful, you guys. So you get into the ring, you know, you, you receive your instructions. Everybody's in the ring. You get into the ring. 
And then everybody gets out of the ring. And I've talked about this on my Becoming a Champ webinar. The loneliest feeling in the world is just being you and that and the, your opponent in the ring. And the hardest thing about fighting is always the first round. The first round is always the hardest. And the first punch is always the hardest. It is because you don't know what to expect. And you don't know how hard she's going to hit and you don't know how fast she's going to be. And you don't know, you know, you're trying to measure up her height and you're trying to, you hope that the sparring partners that you had leading up to this moment prepared you for this, a certain opponent. Cause you want to get sparring partners that are going to match whatever opponent you have coming up in six weeks. But not always, you know, you got a really tall girl, um, like Vonda Ward. Uh, oh my God. Vonda Ward is six, six. You know, a, a, a basketball player from Vanderbilt that turned fighter. Oh, my gosh. Nobody wanted to fight Vonda Ward. You know, so it you might have some awkwardly tall or awkward, you know, and you just don't know. You don't know. You don't know. And the, the first round is always the hardest. And then, ding, 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 the bell rings, the opening bell rings. You get out for the first round. And you get that first round, uh, you know, you, you're fine. You're fine. You get the first hit, the first round, everything's over. You, you land a couple of punches, you find your rhythm, you find their, your groove and you're fine. But man, that first round is a killer. It's just where every, all the nerves, everything, everything in your mind, the scenarios, everything, the crowds are screaming. They're throwing beer cans into the ring. They're, they're just the music, the, the, just the noise level in an, in an arena is deafening. I mean, it's absolutely mind numbing and you've just got to, you've just got to revert to your training. The first round is always the hardest. Let me paint another picture for you. We do not believe, we do not believe in exercise as a way to address a weight problem. Exercise has nothing to do with weight loss and it will not make a hill of beans difference in your weight loss. I don't care what you say. I was a fat athlete. I've trained and I have worked with plenty of fat athletes. I've been to CrossFit gyms all over this world and there are fat athletes loaded loads of fat athletes in these CrossFit gyms. So if exercise worked, you would not be fat to begin with. So the whole, the whole paradigm of eat less and move more, it's flawed. It's flawed. Well, I just need to hit the gym harder. No, you don't. You need to, it's a hundred percent diet related. But when you get to our maintenance program, we do transition you into an exercise program. We want everybody doing daily cardio and we want everybody doing daily weightlifting. It's not required in my maintenance program. It's just heavily suggested. It's heavily encouraged for everybody, no matter who you are. We don't say you have to lift X amount of weights. We want you, you can do this. You don't even need a gym. You can do body weight if you want, but you've got to work on your strength. The amount of muscle that you carry on you as you go into old age is directly related to how smooth your later years are going to go. All right. How many injuries, uh, how you're going to handle viruses, um, how you're going to recover from things. Um, you know, you've got to carry a goodly amount of muscle going into old age. And we believe in maintenance that this is key to keeping your weight off. So in my maintenance program, we really encourage people to lift weights and to, uh, do their daily cardio. And I have been a gym goer for 25 years. I 
love the gym. I really do. I love the I love the gym and I love muscular chicks. I've told you guys this before. I love muscles on a girl. And I had a lot of muscles for a girl. I had 118 pounds of muscles on me. I, I don't even know uh, how many, how, what my muscle mass is now, but I was in the top 1% of all females in the United States for just carrying a, just loads and loads of muscle. And I've checked, I've had myself professionally checked and I have always prided myself on being a good athlete. I, I was an elite level cyclist coming out of my boxing career. Uh, and I've just always been very good at athletics. I love the gym. I love CrossFit. I like doing yoga. I like wide variety. I love lifting weights. I love the way my body looks when I lift weights. I like to keep myself lean and strong. And I like having rippling muscles that stick out even when I'm relaxed. But here not so very long ago, I went through this weird phase where I didn't want to go to a gym. And I would do my exercises at home with my body weight only, which is not good enough for me, but I was doing it. And I had some sort of a mental block or something. I did not want to go to a gym. Now, I live at the top of the Grove Hotel in a beautiful high-rise condo. It's absolutely gorgeous. And just about 10 floors below me is the gym. Uh, gorgeous gym, full-size pool, sauna, a steam room, uh, full-size weights, full-size cardio equipment. There's a CrossFit area. There's just, it's everything you'd want to, you'd want in a gym is right there. And I have not wanted to go to a gym for four months. I just had some sort of a mental block. And I knew I needed to because I looked like absolute garbage. I mean, I'm so, so embarrassed of my body. So, so embarrassed when I looked in the, the, the mirror. My strength had gone way down. I had lost a lot of muscle. I didn't have the definition. I, I was wearing clothes that covered up my body because I was so embarrassed of my body. And I knew I just needed to get back to my weightlifting like what we believe in maintenance. Now, again, I was still doing strength training, but I wasn't lifting weights. And at my level, with my background, I need to actually be lifting weights. The body weight isn't good enough for what I'm trying to achieve. But you know, the first round is always the hardest. And day in and day out, I would say, you need to get to the gym, Christy, you need to get to the gym. And I just, I wouldn't go. I just couldn't bring myself around to riding the elevator down and going to that floor and doing it. I don't know why. I mean, you guys are like, why, Christy, why? I don't know why. I don't know why. But like I talk about in the 10 pound takedown, you are not the problem. The problem is the problem. So just fix the problem. So what I did is I told myself, I said, okay, today, you have to just go into the gym. I don't even care if you walk in and walk out. You have to just ride the elevator down and you have to walk in. You got to scan your little card and you just need to walk in. There's not, don't worry about doing anything. And it's just the strangest thing. And I'm such a confident person. And believe me, I mean, listen, I studied exercise physiology in college. During the, my, my time in the fitness industry, I held eight different certifications for different types of fitness. I have had hundreds of personal training clients. I have been to gyms all over this world. When it comes to a gym, that's the one place I am comfortable. I am not intimidated by gyms at all. I know what I'm doing when it comes to exercise and fitness. I know I've done three bodybuilding competitions for crying out loud. I know I'm not intimidated, but I had some sort of a weird mental block about going, getting started back in weightlifting. And I just didn't want to go down into that gym. 
or any gym. And so I forced myself. I said, no, you have to do it. So what I did was I told myself, you don't have to do anything when you get down there. Just walk into it. Just walk, at least just walk down to the floor. Can you, can you ride the elevator down to the, to the fifth floor? Can you just ride it down? Okay. And I got, and I don't know, guys, I know this sounds so strange when I say it like that. I didn't have anxiety. I wasn't like, uh, 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 I wasn't freaking out or anything. And I, there wasn't, I wasn't intimidated by it. I just wouldn't go. So I got my swipe card to have, you have to have it for elevator access in this building. They're very secure. You have to swipe every time you want to go do anything. It takes a secure key card access. I swiped into the elevator and I said, that's, it. I mean, I'm telling you like getting, I was sitting with Vinny. We had just gotten done with our morning run and I was just sitting with him on the floor and I just, and I kept telling myself, get up and go down to the gym, just go in there. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. It was so strange. Anyway, I walked down the hall. I swiped my card. I got into the elevator. I pushed fifth floor. I went down there, opened it up and I just walked in and I said, good morning to the lady, Joanna, the front desk. She said, Hey, Christy, because I went down there once to switch the ownership over to me, but I didn't, you know, I swiped my card and I walked in. Nobody was in there. And I just walked in and took a couple of deep breaths. Okay, you're here. You can leave if you want to, I said. You can leave. Do you, this is all I asked you to do was just to come to the gym. Now that you're here, do you want to leave? Now that I'm here, I'll do some stuff. I'll do just a couple of things. Maybe I'll do some light stretching, I said. So I got out a little mat and I sat down on my bottom and I looked at myself in the mirror. I mean, it was just such a joke. I mean, it was to me, it was such a joke. For someone who's so secure like me and who loves the gym as much as I do, I don't know why I went through this. It was the strangest thing. So I sat down on my bottom on the mat and I did some butterfly stretches. I did the hurdler stretch. I stretched my back. You guys know I have chronic back problems. And then I said, maybe I'll bang out a set of 10 push-ups just while I'm sitting here. Okay, no pressure. Okay, bam, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 3, 2, 1. Okay, sat back down. Okay, did a little more stretching. Maybe I'll do 20 bodyweight squats. Okay, hopped up, 20, 19, 18, blah, 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 3, 2, 1. All right, what do you feel like doing now? You want to go back home? Oh, you know, I'm here. I'll go ahead and bang out a couple more sets of push-ups and squats. Let me do some abs. Let me just do some a few little ab things, you know? Like, and so... I did, this, I did some things. I was there for 15 minutes. I sprayed down my mat. I put it away. I kind of walked around in a circle, you know, waved to a couple of people, <laughs> walked around a little bit, just got my feel for the gym, and I walked out. I said goodbye to a Joanna at the front desk, and I came back up there. And I've never seen myself go through this before to where doing something that I absolutely love, literally one of my top three things I love most in life, that I couldn't bring myself around to doing it. And that's how small of a baby step I had to take. I had, all I did was just ask myself to walk in the gym. It was almost like a, like I had trauma there or something, which I didn't, you know, and I didn't, I couldn't push back. I mean, I understand if maybe like my husband was killed in the gym and I couldn't bring myself around to walking back in one or something like horrible, like tragic or something like that. I understand that, but nothing tragic happened to me. Why did I do? I don't know why. And I'm not going to try to figure out why I was so hung up on it but I took the baby step because the first round is always the hardest. And I kept saying that to myself as I was walking out of my condo down the hallway to get into the elevator. I kept saying the first round is always the hardest. The first round is always the hardest. The first round is always the hardest. 
And then I push the five button. The first round is always the hardest. The first round is always the hat. And I can feel the elevator go down. And then I the doors open up and I took a step forward. The first round is always the hardest, Christy. The first round. There, you did it. You're here. Okay. Now the rest is gravy. Do you want to do something? You want to turn around and go back to your condo? Because you accomplished everything you set out to do today. And I share all this with you in, in to, as a complete. I share this with you always to be completely transparent, to be open, honest, raw, and real with you for a couple of reasons. The problem is the problem. You are not the problem. Just fix the problem. That's number one. I didn't analyze why. I'm wondering why. Why did I have this hang up? I don't know. I love, 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 love lifting weights. I love it. it. Like I said, it's one of my top three favorite things on this earth that I do. I'd rather lift weights than almost anything but I had this major hang up. Why? I don't know if that was the problem. So what did I do? I just fixed the problem. My solution was just go into the gym building and then you can turn around and come back out. I gave myself bite-sized little baby, baby steps. Number two, the first round is always the hardest. So getting started with code red might be the first round for you. So when it comes to getting started with code red, the first round for you could just be registering for the challenge. Just registering, $27. Just paying that fee. That might be your first round. And just getting past that part. That usually is the hardest for people, creating your free account and the Code Red app. And just, like, that's all you have to do. Then you go and it starts unlocking the first video in 24 hours after that. But that really is the first round for getting started in your weight loss. The first round for you might be just seeing if you can get just this 40 ounce bottle of water down. That's how rock bottom some people are. That's how hard it is. I mean, I know of people who have had car accidents and they couldn't even get back in a car. Like that was all they could do was just their first round was just getting in the car and sitting there without panicking. Like there are so many different things here that can apply to your first round. But because I'm a weight loss coach, I'm here to tell you I absolutely get it that you are hung up with getting started. The seven day total body reset. That is a really great program for people who are at rock, 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 rock bottom. Like really, 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 really low. Because we concentrate on really super, super small baby steps like water and sleep. Like we really take it down super granular, like like really little tiny baby, baby, baby steps, really small. Just like what I did, you guys. My baby step was just walking to the elevator. Then my baby step was pushing the number five and my baby step was walking into the gym. And I gave myself permission to turn around and walk out if I wanted to. That's what worked for me. I have no doubt that tomorrow will be easier and the next day will be easier, believe me. The first round is the hardest. It's going to be easier for me to go into the gym tomorrow. It's going to be easier for you to watch day six of the video, day seven, day two, day 22. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get easier. Code red gets easier the more you do it. But your first round might be just drinking one glass of water. Can you just do one glass of water instead of Diet Coke today? You know, you might be so granular, it might, might be so small for you, that's just one glass of water. Can you just turn off your iPad 15 minutes earlier and go to sleep? 
can you just maybe fold the laundry on your bed so that you're not sleeping with dirty laundry on your bed or sleeping with laundry on your bed? Like it, you really want to break these steps down into bite-sized pieces. Don't analyze the why. Let's just take it. Let's just fix the problem that's right in front of us like I did. Let's just get through that first round. I'm telling you, when you get a 12-round fight, when you're fighting for 36 minutes, that first round, I mean, it just gets, it gets easier. You get more numb. As a fighter, you just get numb. You don't know what round it is. You don't know how much longer it is. You get numb to it. I'm not saying you get numb to code red, but you get into a routine and it gets easier. I promise you it gets easier. I promise you code red gets easier. The more years you do it. And yeah, you could have been code red. Like I was code red for three years and I can't seem to get on back on track and you're beating yourself up for it. That's not helping anything by you beating yourself up for that. Like we get it. You used to be code red for three years. You lost 67 pounds. You gained 70 back. Now talk about being rock bottom. Okay, we get it. We've seen that a million times. We can help you. Many people have, have come back, have lost the weight again. But getting you through that first round is all we have to do right now. Your first round needs to be a really tiny little baby step. You've got to break it up into bite-sized pieces if you are that low. And mentally, I wasn't that low. Like, I'm not battling depression. And I'm not dealing with trauma. So, I don't know. But my bite step, I had to take literally one step in front of the other for some unknown reason. I don't know why, you guys. Isn't that so strange? I don't know why, but I don't care why. I just chunked it up into bite-sized pieces and I took my time with it. And I did it. And you can too. You really can. And by me sharing with you this experience and a, a couple of ways that it relates to boxing and relates to you, hopefully this will give you the confidence, A, I get it, B, you can do it. The seven-day total body reset could be a great place for you to start at coderedlifestyle.com forward slash reset. Or you could do 10poundtakedown.com and just register. Just register. And then maybe, could you maybe... Watch the first video, you know, bite-sized little pieces, bite-sized little pieces. The first round is always the hardest and it applies to so many things in our life. But once you get through that first round, the next 11 are gravy. Once you get through that first five pounds, man, the weight starts pouring off of you. You feel good. You know, I didn't accomplish any massive muscle growth today. Believe you, me, I did not. But I accomplished mentally, I got past that block. So the one day that I went into the gym and sat on the mat and stretched, that didn't really accomplish anything physically, like physiologically, as far as, you know, the, the amino acids and building up muscle, that, that's not how it works. But that was one small building block that had to happen. And from here, I will build on top of that and I'll get my body back. So you drinking this one small bottle of water is not going to make 67 pounds come off of you, but it's part of what you have to do in order to lose that weight. I really encourage you to start with one small baby step. That's all it takes. Chunk it up. One small step. Don't hyperanalyze. Remember, the problem is the problem. You are not the problem, so just fix the problem. Get out of your condo, walk down the hall and push that number five on the elevator. That's all you've got to do. Make them small goals. 
and you're going to get back. You're going to get back to where you were before. You're going to be even better than where you were before. And your test will now become your testimony for, for others to see. So many good things are going to happen from this. You can absolutely do this. All right. I'll see you on the next episode of Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for listening to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. If you want to stay connected to other rebels like you, join us in our private network. Our Code Red app is a one-stop shop, free from ads, algorithms, censorship, and a place where you can see, listen, and watch everything Code Red. You'll be encouraged, motivated, and fired up to stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Get recipe ideas, tips, tricks, and help from coaches, mentors, and other rebels. You can also purchase products, programs, and coaching all right there in one place. And if you have any trouble navigating the app, we're right there to help you. So go to coderedlifestyle.com forward slash APP to join for free. And I'll see you on the next episode of Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle.